Well, good morning. We, uh, we had an awesome few days uh, with the It's Time conference, and uh, we just saw God do some incredible things here. It was amazing to do it here in this building and, uh, and, and have people from you know, different parts of not, uh, not just this region of Canberra, but uh, broader Canberra and people from Yass and, and uh, some surrounding areas. And uh, we just had a really good time. Uh, it was really, really wonderful. The atmosphere was excellent. Uh, people were just ready to, for more of Jesus in their life and to see God move in their life. And we were seeing uh, some wonderful healings and miracles take place. Uh, we were seeing uh, people with uh, partial deafness, their ears opening up, uh, clearness and clarity of vision, vision being restored where that was needed, uh, spines straightening. There was a lady in tears last night because uh, hips and, and her back were just being touched powerfully by Jesus and, and she was being healed in her body and, and just had tears in her eyes. So uh, there's even a, a, I was given, a, I was handed over a set of hearing aids by someone saying, I don't need these anymore. So I've never had that happen. That was a first. So uh, I've been in the, the dust of Uganda and no one gave me their hearing aids in Uganda. But here in Canberra, miracles happen. Did you know that? Did you know that? Canberra is not just full of, full of uh, public servants, but Canberra is full of healings and miracles. Someone say amen. I will, I will continue to say that. So, But uh, as Andy has uh, alluded to, uh, since I was last with you uh, around Christmas time uh, last year, uh, I have since moved to Norway, and uh, that is not for the weather. Uh, that is for the fact that my wife is Norwegian, and uh, we, uh, just, we had a, t- a series of, uh, what was it, like eight months in London, and just didn't really feel like the right place for us. We, we, we had my si- <laughs> Andrew saying amen down the front. I had my, my sisters there. She's just persevering. And uh, we, also had some, uh, we also had some really close family friends there, but it just didn't feel right, and they just didn't feel the, the grace uh, of God there for us. And so we, we decided to go over to Norway, and that's been really, really good. Uh, we've got a great base there. Uh, we're, we've got a local Norwegian congregation that are just wonderful. Uh, I've since, uh, in in addition to doing itinerant ministry in Europe, I'm also uh, a part-time leader of a school of ministry there as well. And uh, my wife is loving her job as a team leader at a big hospital in Norway. And so my wife, Elizabeth, who many of you know, she sends love and greetings uh, to you all. She couldn't be with me on this trip, but uh, she said to send her love. So but yes, I am in Norway. That is very close to Antarctica, so pray for me. And uh, it gives new meaning to the word cold. And so if I hear Canberrans now whinge about how cold it is here, just know I have no time for you. I don't want to hear it's cold in Canberra. You do not understand cold until you've gone to Scandinavia, let me tell you. So, you know, what happens is, is they're born in Norway, and I, I feel like a couple of weeks later, the kids are just put on a ski slope, and they just learn to ski, and uh, they just grow up skiing as if it's like walking. And uh, it's, it's really quite funny because they, they will sometimes say in Norway, well, let's just take an afternoon and go to the beach. And I'm like, really? 
all right, let's go to the beach. That sounds great. So we go off to the beach and uh, open up the car, pull the blankets out, the cups of tea, the beanie, the gloves, the thermal underwear, and sit on the beach and just look at the beach. And we're at the beach. Don't you tell me we are at the beach. You swim in a beach, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, yeah, just pray for me, you know. Just, I, I need prayer. If you want to throw in some fasting too, that's good. Uh, so, but no, it, it's actually been really good for us. And uh, my family comes before my preaching and ministry. And uh, my wife is so glad to be there. And uh, I would love to have a healthy family and a, and, a, and a family that is thriving and prosperous. And that is the best place for this family right now. So, well, I, I'm really, really pumped to be here. Uh, this is the church that I grew up in. And uh, I... I I think I took about three hours of honoring people at the conference, so I won't do that again uh, this morning, but it's just such an honor to be in this church. I had so many things that were remarkable take place in my life in this church, and uh, I am just always so thankful to be here and to see so many incredible people uh, that are in this room. It is, it is truly a deep honor, and I think I get a little more nervous to speak here than I do even in like a big arena with thousands of people. That's actually true. So, uh, but I'm, I'm really, really excited. But I just want to pray and uh, then just share something that's on my heart for this morning. So, will you pray with me? I didn't hear you. Will you pray with me? Good, good. I just want to feel like I'm not in a, a monastery this morning. So, Lord, I just thank you that uh, your spirit is here. Uh, Holy Spirit, we're just thankful that you're here. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would reveal Jesus to us this morning. I pray that Jesus would be magnified here today. Uh, we want to remember him. We want it to be all about him this morning. And so, God, we just invite you to come, reveal Jesus. Uh, would you just transform us all? Would you change us more into the image of Christ? Uh, would you just bring us deeper into loving relationship with Jesus? And uh, I pray that we would just be on fire to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a great expression that I love, love the hell out of people. And uh, Lord, would you help us to just be so on fire for the Lord that we would just love people radically and see your power demonstrated on the earth. And uh, Lord, I thank you that the Essendon Football Club traded in Dylan Scheel over the, the season in recent months. And may Essendon win a glorious premiership next year in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Is there one or two, maybe? None. Zero. Wow. You know, if this was like prior to the cross, I might have got thrown out or stoned. So, amen. All right. Hey, I've got a very Australian title for what I want to share this morning. I'm calling my message, She's a Perla. She's a Perla. This is the only country on planet Earth where I can give that title to this message. Can I tell you, there's been like five times where I've wanted to give this message and I've wanted to give it that title, but then I remind myself, they will not understand. They will not understand what a Perla is. She's a Perla. 
You know, growing up, I, I was so fortunate to spend a lot of time in church. Uh, you know, I was here, you know, when we had, I remember when we had two Sunday services on a Sunday, I was here morning and night. Uh, I was in youth ministry. I was in worship. You know, I even I even had a season doing kids ministry. And, and I was so fortunate to be, uh, spend a lot of time in church. And that I don't call sheltered, I call favored. And, uh, and I was so thankful to spend so much time uh, in, in church meetings. And uh, I, I'm in, to this day, I'm honored and will be thankful for that for the rest of my life. Uh, but if there's one thing that I think that uh, I, I think was maybe something that I wish I could have maybe grown in a little more quickly was getting God's heart for the world around me outside the church. That is something that, you know, I continue to grow in, but have, have really felt God impress in my life, in especially the last five or ten years, is such a love for the world around me outside the church. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't taught in, in the churches that I've been a part of. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I feel like God's just done this unique, work in my life, especially in the last five years, of beginning to see the world around me how he sees them, getting his heart for the world around me. I think I did, a, I think I always, people let me know afterwards if this is not true, but I think I was pretty, a pretty loving person in the church, but I think there were times where outside the church, I was maybe seeing the people separate. I was seeing them with a different lens. You know, the people at Canberra Boys Grammar School, bless Grammar School. Uh, you know, the people at my school, Canberra Grammar, the people, uh, you know, that I maybe played golf with, the people that uh, I encountered through, uh, you know, just friendship circles, playing football and these things. I think there was, at times, there was not the same, I wasn't seeing them the way God sees them. I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I was, there was a little bit of a different lens almost in the way that I would see people. And again, that was not taught to me. I think it was just something that I just really needed to mature. It, it was something I needed to kind of grow out of and mature more into the image of Christ. Seeing people how God sees them. Seeing people that are maybe we can, uh, quickly uh, make assumptions or judgments about uh, or see them as distant or they're a, a sinful person, they are different, uh, they are unclean and me and my church friends, we are clean. There's just some of that in my life that was, I would say, a little, un, it was quite unhealthy. And, uh, and, and the Lord in His mercy wasn't, you know, condemning me you know severely over that but what he's done in recent years is really helped me to begin to grow into the image of Christ and Christ does not have a differential love for the world uh, the people of the world around us that is different to the love that he has for you and I in this church and in the churches of the world there is not a differential in his love in his love, I'm not talking about salvation, I'm talking about his love, there is not a differential there. But I think for me, in my thinking and in my sight, if you will, I w there was a differential. And God, in his grace, is bringing me more into his heart, his sight, and the way he sees people around me, including Collingwood supporters. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And so, you know... 
I, I, you know, because of this, I wasn't sharing, you know, the, I, I think that was part of the reason why I wasn't really, um, what's the word I want to use? I, I, I wasn't spending a lot of energy and effort and, and giving heaps of my time and prayer and faith and energy to winning the lost for Jesus. And I think part of the issue was, is that I had this differential and, uh, and I was a little bit just really focused on church. And that's awesome. I love church. I love, love, love the local church. Wherever my wife and I live on the, in, in the planet Earth, one of the first things we do, wherever we will go, will be find a local church. That will be how it is for the rest of my life. And so the churches that we have been a part of, we have not only sat in a pew or a nice seat, we have invested in and uh, so I am passionate about the church but I want to be in a place where I have a healthy perspective where I don't just have the blinkers on and just see my church I don't want to just see the Christians in my life I don't want to just see my local church even though I have a great love for the church and so I think that um, what my issue was, you know, as I said, was in part was that I just had this kind of a little bit of a lens on, a little bit of that differential, you know, priority for the people of the church with the world. And uh, that, I think, as I said, led into not spending a whole lot of time and energy and faith and prayer and generosity in reaching the world around me reaching my you know fellow boys grammar classmates reaching my fellow university of canberra university classmates reaching my local east lake football team that i was playing for and uh, and so and as i said by his grace i feel like god's just begin to bring me closer and closer into his heart but you know i think that um, you know, this is actually something that I think many of us in the, in the body of Christ, we can identify with. That, uh, you know, we, we, we tend to sort of put work into a category in our life. I'm there to do a job. I'm there to do it well. I'm there to be, do it with excellence as unto the Lord. But then, you know, maybe my, I reserve my love and my affection and my boldness for the people of the church, my serving of the church. And uh, I think there are many Christians around the world that can, that can identify this. And again, I don't, please don't hear any ounce of condemnation if, if you're immediately identifying with this this is not please don't hear any condemnation I'm just here today just wanting to share what I've learned what I'm growing into and continue to grow into and what I believe the Lord is bringing his church into so please don't hear any ounce of condemnation but I think that there are many believers around the world they can identify this with this work is you know Monday to Friday you know Monday to Friday I do my job I do it with excellence I do it unto the Lord you know, I, 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 I'm on time. I leave not early. You know, I leave just after when I'm supposed to. And, uh, you know, I do life well. I do it with excellence. And I love the church well. I serve well. And, uh, and, and I go about my life. But I think that the Lord is constantly in His grace and His mercy on us, giving us His perspective. And here's what I really want to talk about, seeing and valuing the world around us the way He does. Is that exciting to anyone? I think it's an exciting thing that we would begin to see and value the world around us the way He does. 
the people of our sporting teams, the people of that mother's group that, you know, that I don't attend, but mothers attend. And, uh, the, you know, the people of, you know, that you associate through your children's school, the people that you associate with um, maybe through a, a club that you're a part of. My mum is a passionate bridge player and she is in a, I don't know, I think it's a bridge club. She's at the Commonwealth Club and she plays bridge. You know, whatever club you're a part of, it's seeing those people the way God sees them, which will in turn cause you to value them the way God values them, which will then cause you to, I'm going to say, win them for Jesus. Now, when I say win them for Jesus, I mean lead them into a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. But I think part of the problem is, is that we're, we're not, we may not be leading a lot of people into loving relationship with Jesus, but we just need to come back a few steps and go, how am I seeing them? How am I valuing them? And if I see them how God sees them, I'll value them how He values them, and I'll more likely win them for Jesus. I will lead them into a loving relationship with God. If we see them and value them the way he does, I believe things will change. And, and I just want to say, like people in this room, like they know I, I, I didn't lead a lot of people into relationship with Jesus. You know, for the, for the first few decades of my life, I was not leading a lot of people into relationship with Jesus. And uh, by his grace, now I, I, I see a lot, I'm seeing a lot more come into relationship with Jesus. But I tell you, one of the biggest breakthroughs for me has been is getting God's heart for people. Getting God's heart for the world around me. And not just the ones that are easy to love, you know, the ones that are, you know, not so easy to love. And we all can immediately think of those in our own life, can't we? And it's not, and it's, and it's about not distinguishing between clean and unclean and having that kind of mindset which Jesus really warred against with the Pharisees, this notion of, of unholy separation from people. God calls us to separation from a world system, not the world. If, if you don't believe me, I'm going to show it to you in your Bible. Matthew 13, why don't you go there with me? Matthew 13, if you have a Bible or an iPad or an iPhone, Matthew chapter 13, just a short passage we're just going to read this morning. It's a parable that Jesus tells, uh, verse 45. Many of you will be familiar with it. It is the parable of the pearl of great price, as it is called in my Bible. Uh, the parable of the pearl of great, the parable of the pearl of great price, which is, as you can now work out why I've called my message, she's a pearler. That's why, because we're about to hear about pearls. So, all right, are you there? Matthew 13, verse 45. Jesus speaking here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's read it again. And the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. 
You know, there have been, a, I think, a couple of different um, ways of interpreting this parable. Uh, there's, there's mixed views out there. But I would like to uh, zealously present a view to you this morning that Jesus is, in fact, the merchant. People are beautiful pearls. And Jesus was the one selling all that he had in his death on a cross to buy the beautiful pearls. That is what I would like to suggest is the meaning of this parable. We are, I don't think we are the merchant because what do I have to buy Jesus? What do I have to give really Jesus in exchange for him? I, I don't really have a lot, let me tell you. And uh, I know that he values me, but I don't have something to kind of buy Jesus. So I would like to say the merchant is Jesus. Again, people are the beautiful pearls and Jesus is the one selling all that he has, which is a picture of the cross, selling himself, the Father giving his one and only Son to, as it were, gain beautiful pearls. That's us, that's humanity. Notice that it was the business of the merchant to be seeking beautiful pearls. It's interesting that Jesus is, I believe, likening himself to a merchant. And it's the business of that merchant to be seeking beautiful pearls. That was his craft. That is what he does. That is, that is what he is invested in. That is what he does. That is his business. It's a, we would say in our modern vernacular, that is his profession. You know, it was the business of the merchant to be seeking beautiful pearls. I love that thought because what that means is, is that's what Jesus is, is thinking about almost all of the time. That's what he's thinking about. That's what he does. That is what his time and energy is invested in, is seeking beautiful pearls. It is the business of the merchant to be seeking beautiful pearls. That is Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. It's his business to go about seeking beautiful pearls. And again, I would like to suggest the beautiful pearls in this passage are people, humanity, souls, of men, women, and children, people. It was the business of the merchant to be seeking beautiful pearls. In, uh, in the original language, um, the Greek word for seeking, I'm going to obviously do a horrible job of pronouncing this, but uh, zeteo, I think, was the word. Uh, zeteo, I think, is how you say it. That's the, the word in the Greek. Uh, and, and that word zeteo, in my translation, is uh, seeking in verse 45. That word zeteo also carries the meaning of desiring, desiring. Jesus is a merchant desiring beautiful pearls. He is not just doing a duty. He is not just doing what his father has asked him to do. He is not doing something just out of, I think duty would be the right word. There is a desire in Jesus' heart. There is a desire. He is desiring beautiful pearls. He goes about his business, if you will, figuratively speaking, desiring beautiful pearls. That takes it to another level. That means his heart is in it. His heart is invested. 
His heart is fully into it. It is not just ritual. It is not just routine. It is not just, uh, you know, him just doing the thing that he always does. You know, it's not just a 24-7 job. You know, this is his heart in it. He's desiring beautiful pearls. It's amazing what we'll do when we desire something. It's amazing the effort we will go to when we desire something. I remember uh, seven years ago uh, as a single man desiring a beautiful young Norwegian woman. And uh, her name is Elizabeth. She is now my wife. We just celebrated five years wedding anniversary. Come on, five years. As a 33-year-old, I'm celebrating. Five years, that feels like a good reason to celebrate. And... uh, I remember being a single man desiring this young Norwegian woman that I'd met in School of Ministry in California. And uh, I remember I'd done two year, uh, one year at School of Ministry uh, in California, and I was back in Canberra uh, sort of from June through to August, and I'd got a 10-week job, like a 10-week contract, and I was doing everything I can to save money so that I could get to Reading to uh, be with Elizabeth. I mean, study the Bible. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> it's both. It was both. I promise you, both. Believe me. Don't judge me. <laughs> I remember I was desiring to get back to Reading for two reasons, to study the Bible, to become more like Jesus, but also to be back with this beautiful Norwegian woman who I had a growing affection for. And uh, so I, would, I had an office at this 10-week contract job um, at Engineers Australia, and uh, I remember putting on the wall uh, a list of basic English words and the Norwegian equivalent. And so I was Monday to Friday working at Engineers Australia with a little bit of Norwegian study thrown in. And uh, who would have thought that a young man would do such a thing? But it's amazing what you'll do when you're desiring something. It's amazing the effort you will go to when you desire something. And uh, I have no passion for languages. I did, I did a, mum, I'm so sorry, and mum and dad, I did a horrible job in French class in high school. I was not concentrating. And, but it's amazing when I desire this beautiful Norwegian woman, the effort that I will go to, to learn Norwegian. And uh, by the way, now... I'm confronted because I've been married for five years and uh, she would like me now that I live in Norway to gradually learn Norwegian and I can feel the tension with that, the, the pull of her will loving my wife before myself or my will, it feels like a waste of time, I don't want to learn Norwegian, I can feel that pull. So again, just add that to your prayer list when you pray for me, I do not want to learn Norwegian, <laughs> but I am. And uh, um, I'm, I'm mostly attentive in Norwegian class uh, in, in Norway. But I was desiring Elizabeth and I went to great lengths, and I can give you numerous examples. I went to great lengths to gain, you know, this young, incredible, godly woman that I wanted. And in the same way, Jesus has gone to incredible lengths to gain the world the world around us, to gain people, to gain beautiful pearls. He has gone to indescribable lengths to gain the world around us. You know, it's interesting because 
he, he uses, Jesus uses the imagery of beautiful pearls. What's fascinating is, is that to his primarily Jewish audience, pearls were actually not that valuable to, him, to them. To a Jew, pearls were actually not especially valuable. They were to the Gentiles, but to the Jews, not so much. Which is really, I, when I first read that, I was like, what? what? But if you, as I began to think about that and meditate that on, on that a little more, I, I began to realize He's, he must have been intentional in using pearls in speaking to the Jews. He, must, he doesn't do that by accident. He's not careless. He's not flippant with these things. He would have been intentional. And I began to think about it, and I'm like, why is he using the imagery of pearls to a primarily Jewish audience who probably would not have appreciated it to the same length? And I would like to suggest it's as if Jesus is saying, hey, that which you do you say is not valuable i say is valuable that which you say is not especially beautiful i say is beautiful that which you do not value my jewish audience i value the gentiles see the value i also see the value that which you do not see as beautiful i see as beautiful and we carry that into today. What does that look like? Well, you know, there are, there are sections of society. There are uh, categories of people. There are people of different ways and walks of life, backgrounds, culture, religion, preferences, uh, all, all kinds of different people on the earth, simply speaking. The ones that we might perhaps might not think as beautiful, he says are beautiful. The ones that we perhaps might think are not especially valuable, I would like to suggest are to him especially valuable. Who am I talking about? Well, maybe it's the drug addicts that you drive past on the way home from work, that congregate under a bridge somewhere in Canberra. And they leave their syringes there under a bridge in Canberra. Do we see those drug addicts the way God sees them? Do we value them the way God values them? And I'm telling you this morning, I'm preaching to myself here. I can tell you big time, I'm preaching to myself. Do I see those drug addicts under that bridge the way God sees them? Do I look at pop stars you know, in magazines and, you know, when I'm reading the newspaper and there's a big photograph of a pop star maybe behaving inappropriately, do I see that pop star how God sees them? Do I see that celebrity how God sees them when I'm flicking through the newspaper or they come up on the evening news? Do I see them how God sees them? What about a Muslim? Do I see Muslims how God sees them? Do I see them through the lens of my own background, cultural upbringing, what I've been taught, what I've read, or do I see them how God sees them? Do I see a Muslim how God sees them? Do I see a soul that my Christ died for? President Trump, here we go. <laughs> I love throwing this one in wherever I go. President Trump, do I see him how God sees him? How God sees him? 
Did Christ die for Donald Trump? Believe it or not, he did. Did Jesus die for President Donald Trump? Yes, he did. Does God value him incredibly? Yes, he does. Was Jesus thinking of Donald Trump on the cross? Yes, he was. Do I see President Trump and pick any political leader? Pick the leader of the party you don't vote for in Australia. (laughs) Think about that person. Do I see them how God sees them? And do I value them the way God values them? It was really funny. I was chatting to my uh, 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 my brother-in-law and his family uh, some weeks ago. And uh, my brother-in-law, Daniel, he's married to Hannah. And uh, they have three young kids. Uh, I think they're like six, four, and, and, a, and about one or two. And uh, the middle one is a girl. And uh, so my niece. And so I think she's about four, maybe five. And uh, her name's Amalia. And uh, Amalia is a beautiful young girl. She's figuring me out whether she likes me right now, but we're going to be really good friends. And uh, so Amalia is uh, this beautiful girl, and uh, she's just growing up and figuring out life. And, and uh, Daniel and Hannah love Jesus, and they've been teaching Amalia uh, about how Jesus was born recently. And so they've been reading Amalia books about the birth of Jesus and, and teaching her about that. And uh, Hannah, her mother, was telling me about something that happened uh, one day uh, as they were going down a street in our city in Bergen. And so Hannah's, I think, holding Amalia's hand and they're walking down the street in Bergen. Now, if you're not aware, uh, uh, Europe has had a massive influx of uh, immigrants uh, since about 2015. And so Europe has, a lot, have, has got a lot of immigrants that have come in in the last three years. And a lot of them have come from uh, very Muslim nations in Northern Africa and the Middle East. And uh, so there's, there's, there's different countries of Europe right now. There's, it's just really unprecedented level of immigrants. And a lot of, as I said, a lot of them come from primarily Muslim countries. And so they're walking down the street and they're in this area where some ref, you know, uh, immigrants or, or former refugees have come. And they're walking down the street and Hannah's holding Amalia's hand and walking towards them are two women uh, with a, head, a black headscarf on. And they have this black headscarf on and they're walking down the street and Amalia sees these two women with this black headscarf on and covered up all over their body and Amalia shouts out not quietly shouts out look mom it's Mary and Joseph (laughs) shouts it it's Mary and Joseph (laughs) isn't that awesome oh my goodness I was on the ground laughing when she told me that that is hilarious to me that is hilarious but what an incredible picture of a young child that doesn't have the lens that we can tend to have that I can tend to have what a beautiful picture a child innocently looking at another human without a lens without filters without categorization looking at another woman as if it was the mother of Jesus in the same way. Ah, it puts a dagger in my heart every time. <laughs> 
The merchant in this parable sold all that he had and bought the pearl. The merchant sold all that he had. That is the father giving his only son, Jesus, for beautiful pearls. His, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Only begotten son. He sold, Jesus gave his life. He gave his very life. He gave everything he had. His robe stripped off him. Sandals stripped off of him. Whatever you know, possessions he had stripped off of him. And then the very thing left was his own life, his very breath. And he said, I give that. And Jesus breathed his last breath and gave up his spirit. He gave everything for these beautiful pearls. If Jesus is giving, and let me say this, what is the value of the blood of Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? What is the value of the blood of Jesus giving his own life? What is the value of that? What is the value of the blood of Jesus? What is the value of that? Because that's the value, whatever value is being given on the cross, whatever price is being paid on the cross, that is the value God is esteeming or calling men and women. Whatever value is being given in that moment, whatever price is being paid in that moment is placing a value on humanity is placing a value on you and I, is placing a value on you and uh, on the world around us, on Muslims, on drug addicts, on celebrities, on political leaders. That's the value he's placing on them. What is the value of the blood of Jesus? I would like to suggest to you cannot be measured. You cannot measure the value of the blood of Jesus. There is no price you can put on that. There is no value whatsoever. You cannot put a value on the blood of Jesus Christ. It is in immeasurably valuable. You cannot even, I think Spurgeon said something like, you cannot estimate a millionth of its preciousness. I think Spurgeon said. You cannot even estimate a millionth of the preciousness of one drop of the blood of Jesus what is the value, Jesus, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? What is the value that they have placed on not just our lives, absolutely, but of course the world as well? What is the value that he has placed on them? I am not denying the fact that people live in immorality and sin. I am not denying that. That is there. But that, does not, that is not incongruent with his value for them. That is not compete against or compromise or dilute the value that he has for them. He values them beyond measure. It's, a, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary that he values them beyond description, beyond measure. You cannot even estimate uh, the value of a human soul to God. Even the one that sits across from us at work, that sips their soup at lunchtime, that slurps their soup at lunchtime. If we see people how the Father sees them, we'll value them how he values them and we'll win them for him. 
we'll win them for Jesus. And what I mean by that, we'll lead them into a loving relationship with Jesus, the world around us, which is what he wants. That's what he wants. That's, that's what the merchant is desiring. The merchant is desiring the beautiful pearls, men and women of humanity, to be led into relationship with him. That is what he is desiring. That is his business. That is what he thinks about. That is what he is desiring. He is desiring these beautiful pearls to be brought to himself. And that involves you and I. That involves us. We, as I said to the conference this week, we are plan A. We are God's plan for that. We, we are the one. I mean, he can give a dream of a man in white to someone, but, you know, invariably, you know, when he, even if he does show up in a dream to people as he does to many Muslims, he still, those Muslims are often left asking, who is this man in white? Why? Because Jesus wants to involve us. Because Jesus wants to involve us in bringing these beautiful pearls to himself. I want to finish with a story and, uh, and then we'll come to a close. This will be where I'll finish. I, uh, as I said, I live in Bergen, Norway, where uh, it's 20 degrees, you're rejoicing. And uh, in Bergen, Norway, we do have uh, quite a few people that have come as refugees. Not a lot, but not as much as like Germany, but we do have a lot. And, uh, you know, people from Somalia and Morocco and Northern Africa and some other places in the Middle East. And, and uh, here we go. I was coming out of my Norwegian class one night at uh, about 8.30 at night. And I was walking back to my car and uh, I passed a, a fruit stand that was still open at 8.30 at night and it, it lit it up. And this fruit stand had a man standing there and uh, I just felt this tug in my heart to just talk to this man standing at the fruit stand. And uh, so I just went up to this guy and I, I can't remember what I said initially, but I think I just said something like, hey, sir, just want to tell you Jesus loves you. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And uh, he was uh, a man that looked like he was from somewhere in the Middle East. And uh, he, he said, yeah, yeah, you can pray for me. And uh, I said, thank you for sharing. He said, thank you for sharing that. And uh, so before I began to pray for him, we sort of enter into this conversation. And he begins to tell me about himself. I said, where are you from? And uh, he, he says, I'm actually, I, I'm Norwegian now, but I'm originally from Gaza in the Middle East. I'm a Palestinian. And, uh, and, I, and I said, okay, that's awesome. I said, how long have you been in Norway? And uh, he said, about 18 years or so. And I said, that's fascinating. And so we get into this conversation. Anyway, we end up kind of talking for about half an hour. It's freezing cold, but we end up like just talking at this fruit stand for like half an hour. But during kind of this half an hour, he's got like other Muslim family that are kind of coming past and chatting and, and he's getting phone calls from people and he's, you know, just saying, give me one moment, just wait right there. And he's getting phone calls from people. And so we're just having a good old time at this fruit stand. And uh, then he's like, yeah, just come into my shop. And uh, so we, we go down. <laughs> this is where I start to get a little uncomfortable. We go down the stairs into this underground grocery store. It's dark. You know, it's dark outside. It's the middle of the city. This is a, an area of Bergen I don't spend a lot of time in. And uh, we go down these dark stairs into his, what I would call, ethnic grocery store. 
And uh, so we go down in there and it's not a very comfortable place for me. Uh, there's a language on the food and walls that I don't understand. And there's just food there that I'm like, is that even food? I don't know what that is. And, uh, and, and, and it's just this odd place to be. And uh, we go down in there and people are just coming in and out of this grocery store. And uh, we, me and him are just talking. We're talking about Jesus, Muhammad, the Bible, the Quran. We're just having this great conversation about what Christianity believes, what Islam says. And uh, we're having this awesome conversation, but it's in this dark kind of dingy ethnic grocery store. But I tell you this, and I can't tell you, I don't feel really, really comfortable. I can't tell you enough, I don't feel really, really comfortable in these kinds of environments, just so you know. And so, but anyway, these people are just coming in, like women with full head scarves are coming in, uh, you know, just people of all kinds of, you know, ethnicity, probably from, you know, Africa and Middle East, and they're just coming in. And so I'm getting into conversations with them, and I'm sharing about Jesus with them, and talking about who God is, and what what I believe about the Bible with them. And then, and then my friend, um, what's he, what was his name? Because uh, I ended up getting closer to the other guy. I think it was Nassim. Nassim says, uh, he says, hey, let me just call one of the leaders of my mosque. I just want to bring him down. I said, all right, cool. Let's, let's have it. Yeah, I'd love to meet him. So he calls his friend. And sure enough, about five or 10 minutes later, in walks one of the leaders of his mosque. And his name's Nasir. And me and Nasir just end up having this great conversation. Anyway, I end up being with these guys for, I think, about an hour and a half all up. And I have the best time. I tell you, I loved it. it I was freezing cold. I couldn't feel my toes. I was freezing. There was no heating in the grocery store. And uh, it was freezing. And I end up in this one and a half hour conversation with not just, uh, I think it's Nasim and Nasir, uh, both of them for about an hour and a half. And they said, Matthew, I said, listen, I better go. I've got to get home to my wife now. And uh, it's like almost 10 o'clock at night. And, uh, and we just had this great conversation. And they said to me, this has been such a good conversation. And they embraced me and hugged me. And then they said, would it be okay with you if we like got your contact information and could we meet up for like lunch or something in the coming days? Could we just begin to form, not form relationship, but they just said, could we like have contact and meet up more in the future? I said, absolutely. So we exchanged numbers and, 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 and uh, embraced each other, hugged and said goodbye. Anyway, I've since uh, gone back to see them and uh, I did didn't see the leader of the mosque, uh, but I saw my friend Nassim, and uh, we just continue to build relationship. And then I get this text about two weeks later from Nasir, the leader of uh, the mosque. And Nasir texts me. I'm reading it. Hello, bud, smiley face. Hope you are doing great, smiley face. Can we meet one day next week after Monday? I want to chat a bit more about religion. Big smiley face. Best regards, Nasir Osman. And I said, hey, friend, let's, let's do it. Uh, have a great trip. 
uh, I hope we can meet up. You know, I said, uh, listen, I'm going on a trip. I can't meet up then. Can we meet up again soon? He says, yeah, great. Uh, we would, uh, we, I would love to meet up, God willing. I would love to do that. Can we do Wednesday or Friday next week? I'm like, let's try for that. And, uh, and, and then he's following me. I didn't get back to him because my last month has been really hectic. Uh, and so I wasn't doing a good job of following up. And so he keeps texting me, when are you free? When are you free? Can we do it a day next week? And he's following me up. And I've got about five text messages here of him following me up, wanting to meet up and talk. It's, he's a leader of a mosque in Bergen and he's wanting to meet up with smiley faces to talk about religion. Isn't it amazing? He's knocking on my door. He's like, when are we meeting up? When are we meeting up? And I'm like, I'm going to Australia, man. I'm so sorry. Can, can we meet up afterward? He's knocking on my door. He's a beautiful pearl. He's a beautiful pearl that Jesus is seeking. And, he's, and Jesus wants to use me in the plan to attain, obtain a Nasir and Nasim for love and relationship with him. Why don't you stand? Let's close. I will meet up with uh, Nasim and Nasir, and uh, maybe next time I'm back, I'll, I'll tell you how things go. Maybe I'll, I hope to get invited to the mosque. I would love that. That would be an honor. Uh, that maybe ruffled a few feathers. <laughs> Laugh with me. That's okay. All right. Why don't you close your eyes and uh, let's just pray and uh, let's just wait on God for a moment. I do just want to give an opportunity for God to just minister to just uh, two groups of people just as we close. Um, if anyone's able to play piano, actually, th that would be amazing uh, just as we close and uh, pray for some people. Uh, I just want to give the Holy Spirit space to um, just minister to uh, a group of people. Uh, I just want to give an invitation today for people to uh, give, their, give uh, Jesus uh, the confession of their heart and life. Uh, I just want to ask you in this place with eyes closed this morning, this afternoon, as you stand there, I want you just to get in touch with your soul. I want you to get in touch with who you are, your, the, the real you, the inner you, and ask yourself, do you know that you're a child of God? Do you know that you are a child of God? Do you know the love of Jesus Christ in your heart? The Bible says that we know that we are God's because the love of Jesus has been poured out in our heart. Well, do you, I want to ask you, as you, you know, ask, you know, get in touch with your own soul. Do you know that you're a child of God? Do you know God? And the way that I would believe one way you know that you know God is the love of God has been poured out in your heart. Do you feel God's love in your heart? If you were to die today, do you know that you would go to heaven to be with Jesus for eternity? Do you know that you're a child of God? 
If you don't, I want to give you an invitation this morning to pray with this awesome church family, to pray and, and turn over your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. That word believe can also be translated commit. So it's not just I believe in the existence of God, it's I commit my life to God. Have you committed your life to God and has His love been poured out in your heart? I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm not asking you, you know, do you fellowship with Christians? I'm not asking you, were you baptized as an infant? I'm not asking you those questions. I'm asking you, do you know the love of God in your heart? Have you committed your life to Jesus Christ? If you've not done that, we want to pray with you. And I'm not going to call you to the front, but I do just want you to raise your hand. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to surrender your life completely to Him, I want you just to raise your hand where you are. Just raise your hand in, in your seat and raise your hand where you are. Again, I'm not asking you, do you identify yourself as a Christian in the census? I'm asking, do you have relationship with Jesus? Has His love been poured out in your heart and you know that you're a child of God? And if you want to make a commitment to Jesus and become a child of God, I want you just to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you would. One, this will, I'll just ask one more time. Raise your hand where you are. That's awesome. I can see your hand. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's pray together. I, there's been a hand raised, which is wonderful. So I want us as a church family to all pray together. Is that good? Can we pray? And we're going we're gonna to say, Jesus, we offer you our life. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we acknowledge that you are alive. Thank you for buying me a beautiful pearl. I believe that you died on the cross. Jesus, I come to you as I am today. I have made mistakes in my life. Would you forgive me for the sin of my life? Take my life, Jesus. I give it to you. Come into my heart. Let your love be poured out in my heart. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and live in me. In Jesus' name, amen. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. So good. That's wonderful that someone has made a commitment and heaven rejoices in those moments. And so that uh, person that raised their hand, I just want to encourage you uh, to just, would you please tell someone, a Christian, that you made that decision today? And even if you didn't raise your hand, but you did pray that from your heart, maybe for the first time, would you just tell a Christian that you made that decision? Because they would like to begin to walk with you in your journey with God. They want to journey with you in these early stages of your walk with Jesus. They want to just help you in that journey. So if you made that decision, maybe for the first time today, would you please just tell someone that you did that so they can walk with you?
last group of people and then uh, I just want to quickly pray for just for two minutes or so and then I'm going to give the mic back to Andrew. Uh, I just want to pray for people uh, who just today are saying, I want to see the world around me in a new way. I want to see the world around me as God sees them. I want to see the people I work with, the people I associate with, the people, you know, I run into in my local grocery store, you know, or the people at the mother's group that I'm a part of. I want to see them how God sees them. I I want to see Justin Bieber how God sees him. (laughs) I want to see the football players, you know, I want to see them how God sees them. And uh, if that's you and you're looking for just a transformation of heart is what I would call it. And you're saying, God, I want a transformation of heart. I want to see people how you see them. I want to value them how you value them. Help me to win them for your love. I want you just to put your hands out to God if that's you and you're saying, "I, I I want a transformation of heart. I want a transformation of heart, a transformation of sight, if you will. And I just want to pray for you. So Jesus... Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your great grace. Your grace is amazing. Your grace is beyond our imagination. Lord, I'm praying for me too, as well as those with their hands out today. I'm praying for us all. Lord, would you help us see people in the world around us how you see them? Would you help us value them how you value them? I pray that we would see them all as a pearler. That person's a pearler. She's a pearler. He's a pearler. I pray that we would see them how you see them. Help us by your grace. Lord, I pray that by your grace, we would see people the way you see them. Forgive us where we've categorized uh, or even you know, put labels on people that were not, un- that were not godly. Lord, would you forgive us for that? And would you just help us to see how you, people, how you see them? It's such an exciting day to be alive. It's an exciting day to be following Jesus. Lord, we want to partner with you. We, want to, we would just want to take your hand, see people how you see them and win them for you. So would you help us? We choose to, to stretch out to your outstretched hand and take your outstretched hand and Lord, would you just help us? We just just put your hand on your heart in closing and just say, help me, God. <laughs> and I'm saying it too. Help me, God. In Jesus' name. We love you, Jesus, so much. Thank you for your great grace and your goodness. We love you, Jesus. Amen.